Hey. Hello, Valley Creek. It is such a joy and such a delight for Liana and myself to once again be with you. It's uh, something that I, I look forward to. It seems like I, I have this annual pilgrimage that I make to Valley Creek. And then when I get here, it feels like home. So blessings to you all, to everybody that's watching in all the campuses online. What a privilege to be with you. In this series, uh, we're, we're talking about taking a break. And uh, I want to talk to you today about taking a break from trying to fix everything. <laughs> Taking a break from trying to fix yourself. Trying to fix others. Take a break and start to behold. Now, I want you to do something real quick. Would you Turn to the person next to you. I know this makes all the introverts very excited. Turn to the person next to you and look them in the eye and say to them, God loves you just the way you are. All right, that's more or less all that you had to say. All right, now turn to that very same person, look them in the eye and say to them, but God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. <laughs> All right, I, I had people do this the other day at another venue and the guy turns to his wife and says, God loves me too much to leave you the way you are. <laughs> The fact is, we, we recognize that there are things in our lives that we need to fix, to grow in, to develop in, to, to become more of that which God has intended us to be. However, the challenge is when we go about it in a way where we think that by applying more discipline and more of our willpower and more engagement, we're going to change and do things in a way that we will become better people. In essence, when you consider the journey that God has had with humanity, it's very clear that somewhere in this journey, God had to come and intervene because all the discipline and all the willpower and all the commitment of people trying to fix themselves to become what God intended them to be was not enough to do it. They needed a savior. And Paul wants to address this when he is writing to the Corinthian church, a church that, that was really a bothersome environment for many people because they had a lot of fixing to do. And Paul writes to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we read this scripture. But we all, with unveiled 
face. And this is really just a reference to Moses who was on the mountain, came down, and, and he was shining with glory, and then he started losing the glory, and then he put a veil over his face so that nobody can see that the glory was fading, because that was the reference of the old engagement, us trying to do, to qualify, to impress. And here he comes and he says, you with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. You know, there's a principle in life that whatever you behold, you become. That which arrests your gaze ultimately determines so much in your life. And if you are consistently focusing on that which is wrong, where you're trying to make it right, if that becomes the essence of your focus, you unfortunately become that which you are trying to fix. Because it's the gaze. It's the focus. But here is a principle that if you discover it, it repositions your life where Paul says, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now, figure that. What do you see when you look into a mirror? When you look into a mirror, you see yourself. But here Paul says, the principle is, when you gaze upon the glory of the Lord, this becomes a new reference in your life, and he's really contrasting it in this portion of scripture with the Old Testament law, where people looked at the law and said, oh, I'm, I'm falling short, I'm not good enough, I have to qualify, I've gotta try and do this, and he says, now shift your gaze from being condemned that you're not good enough, and shift it to what you really have become because when you discover who you are, you will become who you actually are. Something happened to us when we entered into relationship with Jesus Christ. And we behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And now he says, and as we behold this glory, we are transformed to the very same image from glory to glory. Now it's interesting, this word glory is a Greek word Doxa. 
Now, those of you that know a little bit about us and you heard it said today, we run a ministry called Doxa Deo, which is Latin and Greek fused together for the glory of God. The glory of God. But this word doxa is very, very interesting because many times when we think about glory and we think about God's glory, we, we're thinking in terms of how it was represented in the old covenant with the Shekinah presence of God, the weight of God, actually the, the word in the Hebrew text was the word kabot, which meant weight, presence of God. In the New Testament, it takes another dimension where this word glory, doxa, the Vines Expository Dictionary says, it primarily denotes an opinion. Now listen to this. An opinion that is released over someone's life. That's the essence of this thought of doxa. It's releasing an opinion. Now listen to this scripture again when we think about it in these terms. Paul says, we with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory, the opinion of God over our lives, and as we discover God's opinion over our lives, we are transformed, we're gonna become what God is saying over our lives that we already are, and we go from opinion to opinion to opinion, and we become what God has actually intended us to be. You see, in essence, Paul is saying, if you behold his glory, you become whole. You become restored. You become what God has always dreamt about your life. His opinion is spoken over our lives. And so the question is, what, what is this opinion that God speaks over our lives? And this opinion is discovered in Christ. As we sang that today, and, and it, was, it, it was communicated that, Jesus, you are all that we need. We somehow have to believe what does that mean in real terms for my everyday life where I'm struggling with things in my life and I recognize I have to fix things. The challenge that I, that I want to invite you into is take a break from trying to fix yourself and start to behold the glory the opinion of God over your life in that particular area that you're trying to fix. Because if you discover what God is saying, you become what God believes 
you are. Now, if I am says I am, then I am. <laughs> and God spoke something over our lives. Hebrews chapter one, verse one and the second, uh, first portion of, of verse two says, God who at various times in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. You see, God opened, when he sent Jesus, he opened a new conversation with man. And we dare not open any other conversation because this is what we need to discover. What did God come and say about our lives in Christ Jesus? When you start discovering yourself in Christ, you can call out as Paul says in Colossians chapter two, he says, I, he says we, we are complete in Christ. Why? Well, firstly, because we're accepted. Just listen to these concepts. You have been forgiven of all your sins. You're free from condemnation. You're God's own, very own child. You've been declared righteous. You are united with the Lord. You're God's property and you belong to him. You're a friend of Jesus Christ. These are the things that God has spoken over your life. You're accepted in the beloved. Not just accepted in the beloved, you you secure because you know that you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. You cannot be separated from the love of God. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. You can be assured that all things in your life are going to work together for God's good in your life. You're significant. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're his workmanship. The Greek word there for workmanship is poema, which means you're a poem. You're an expression of elevated thought in the mind of God. God doesn't just look at you and see the mess that you sometimes focus on and consider yourself to be and and, and you struggling to fix yourself. When God looks at you, he looks at you in Christ and he's making an opinion over your life. He's releasing thoughts over your life and you have to gaze and look at what God is saying and behold what God is saying so that it can have an effect on your life so that you can become who you actually are. (laughs) You know, friends of mine in South Africa tell me the story. uh, It's about an eagle that was in the zoo in Pretoria for about 12 years. And then the the zoo authorities decided they're going to release this eagle. 
And so they planned this project to take this eagle all the way back to its origin, place of origin where the other eagles are. And when they arrived there with this kind of cage crate thing that they were transporting the eagle in, they set it down and our friends were there. And, and so they were relating this story, watching how they were gonna set this eagle free. And they say they tried to get this eagle out of the cage. But it was as if this cage had become the reference, the only reference that this eagle knew. It didn't want to get out of the cage. The doors were open, but the eagle didn't want to get out of the cage. And so they, with a lot of trouble, shooed this eagle out of the cage, and it kind of hopped out, and there it sat. Now it was free. The only problem was the eagle was out of the cage, but the cage was in the mind of the eagle. And so they said they, they, they tried to get the eagle to start to fly. Shoved it, frightened it, tried to explain to it. One guy even ran in front of the eagle and showed it how it could fly. It didn't nothing help. They, 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 they tried everything to get this eagle to fly. He says, and then the next moment, the most amazing thing happened. He says, another eagle from the region came by and started circling above them. He says, and the next moment, this eagle gave a cry. And when the eagle made the sound, there was something of a resonance in this eagle that had been captive all these years. And suddenly something was awakened in this eagle and it became aware that, that this is not its true reference, but that is its reference. And they say they couldn't explain it, but suddenly this eagle looked up and it, it was as if it, it responded to that cry. And the next moment it started running, flapping its wings and it soared up into freedom. And when I heard that story, I thought, man, that is so true about our journey is we need to hear the voice of the Father over our lives. Because that, that statement of acceptance and God's grace over our lives it is what positions us to navigate life in a totally new way. Why? It's not us trying to fix ourselves. It's us hearing what is God saying about our lives. And you know, many times when we engage God, we're, we're trying to con convince God of, of all the bad things in our life that he needs to help us with as if God needs more information. I wanna tell you, God doesn't need to know more about your bad stuff, he knows it all, but he sees you through Jesus Christ and he's made a statement over your life and he wants you to discover what he has said. You know, there's this interesting story in the Bible about a man called Jacob. 
Now, many of you might know that you know, there's Abraham, there's Isaac, and then he has these two sons, Jacob. Jacob steals the birthright from his brother, and he has to flee the house, and he, he flees away to his uncle Laban. And when he gets there, he sees the uncle has two daughters. The one, Rachel, she is beautiful. And he loses his heart on Rachel. And then there's another one, Leah. And I don't know exactly how to explain it except to say she was not as pretty <laughs> as Rachel. And so he goes to his uncle and he says, I want to marry Rachel. She's the younger daughter and the, the uncle says, well, if you work for me for seven years, and it's a beautiful story. You can go read it in Genesis 29. It, it says that it went, the time passed so quickly because he was so in love. And in seven years, the day arrives and the wedding is called and he's going to get married. And I, once again, don't know exactly how to explain this, but they get married. He wakes up the next morning and he realizes he has not married Rachel. He has married Leah. He's upset, goes to his uncle and he says, you cheated me. The uncle says, but you know what the tradition is, I can't give you my second born if the first is not yet married. But here's a plan. If you work for me for another seven years, I'll give you Rachel right away. Then you have two wives. So he puts on his social media, it's complicated. Here he has two wives. I mean, the one he loves. The other one, he, he inherited. But the Bible is very interesting. The Bible says, Rachel couldn't have kids. And in those days, it was so important for a wife to give her husband sons. But Leah, she gives birth to the first son. And then there's a second son. And then there's a third son. And then she makes the statement, you can go read it in Genesis 29. Now, my husband will be attracted to me. He will accept me. He will love me because I have given him three sons and she called that son Levi. And then she gets pregnant again. And when the fourth son is born, she says, this time I will just praise the Lord. I just recognize there's favor on my life, there's blessing on my life, the grace of God is upon my life, and she called him Judah. And then history goes. God engages his people, and he speaks to Moses and he says, I want to have a priesthood because I'm going to give them a law, and Moses, the priesthood, all have to come from the lineage of Levi. 
And the Levitical order will be the ones that will protect this framework of functioning. And right through the Old Testament, we see they are the priests. They are the ones that are the custodians of this way of functioning. You see, when, when she gave the name, it was in the name. I have performed. I've done my part. I'm going to qualify. I'm going to be the one that is accepted by my husband. It's entrenched in the whole way of functioning. But then we see how God intervenes and go read Hebrews chapter seven. It's so beautiful. It says if the Levitical order could give us what God wanted us to have, why was it necessary for another priest to be raised up? Clearly not from that lineage, but our Lord, it says, was born from the tribe of Judah. And what is Judah? Judah is praise. Judah is gratefulness. Judah is recognition that it's not something that I did. It's all that God has done with his favor upon my life and the recognition that that's the way we live. And this is the key to understand in the context of what Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, listen here, don't try and go back to the old way of functioning. There's a new way of functioning, and the way you engage this is you behold. Because as you behold, you will become. As a matter of fact, when I put on my Levi jeans tonight, I thought it's time for us to get a new brand, Judah jeans. <laughs> you see, listen to this. Romans 7 verse 19 says, the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless for the law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. A better hope. What is this better hope? The recognition that you are already richly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved. Now, as I behold him, I become what is already set in the heart of God as his opinion over my life. Take a break from trying to fix yourself. Start seeing what God says about your life. Even those areas where you struggle, those areas where you feel incompetent. Your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And as you behold, you see, but we don't, we, we often don't know how to behold because there's just too many noises and voices and things that put a demand on us and we get back into the old way of functioning. Let me end by telling you a story. Friends of ours 
in South Africa wanted to go for a weekend away and there's this beautiful mountain range in South Africa called the Drakensberg, Dragon Mountains. And so they were extremely excited, never been there before, had reserved a little hotel room and so they were on their way, but they say as they were approaching that region, a thick mist had settled over that whole region. And um, they drove into the mist and they said they could see nothing. There was no mountain, it was just mist. And so disappointed, they checked into the hotel and were hoping for the best. He says, and the next morning as they woke up, he stood up and he drew the curtains. And as he drew the curtains, he said the mist had lifted. And suddenly he was, he was confronted with this majestic mountain. He says, and this awesome mountain is in front of him and he's, he's looking at it and he's, he's, he's seeing the grandeur and the, the awesomeness of this picture. He says, and while he was looking at this mountain, the thought crossed his mind. This mountain did not arrive here during the night. It's been here all the time. The problem was, there was just too much mist. And because of the mist, you couldn't see the reality. You see, God has already established everything you need in Jesus Christ. It's already there. It's an accomplished reality. It's not something we're still busy negotiating with God. We're not still busy, you know, trying to convince God about our lives. God is convinced about you. As a matter of fact, God's more convinced about your salvation than you might be. Because he initiated it. He knows that it was a success. He knows the cross was a success. And now because of that reference, when he looks at your life, he wants to release the opinion over your life so that you can hear, see, discover, behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord so that you can be transformed from glory to glory and be what God intended you to be. Take a break and behold. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are at the receiving end of your goodness and your grace and your mercy and that we, we feel so overwhelmed. It feels so, so, so far from possible when we think about what you've done for us. But Lord, help us. Help us to clear the mist so that we can behold, so that we can see that which is already there, spoken over our lives, declared over our lives, so we can embrace it and that it can truly affect us, that transformation can take place so that we can become that which you know we are. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we say thank you. Amen.
Amen. God bless you.